here's a little little known fact about Times Square. Every single person in Times Square, they all want to buy comedy tickets. And so when I'm out there in Times Square, I'm beating them away with a stick. It's like Black Friday every day and I'm Best Buy. And the TV, tickets to see stand-up comedy. Yeah, and this that was all a lie. It's hard. People, especially in Times Square, do not want to talk to anybody. There's like a naked lady with a guitar walking around and you're the same as that. When you're trying to sell someone a comedy ticket, you're the same as Elmo with no underpants. You are scary and no one wants to talk to you. Welcome, I'm your host Dino Cattaneo and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. This is part two of my conversation with Nico Cattaneo. You know him as the composer of the podcast theme music. He's also my son and a young comedian. If you haven't listened to part one, which came out last week in episode 120, make sure you go back and listen to it after you're done with this episode. As quick background, this episode was recorded in two very loose sessions during Christmas break. I decided to break it into two shorter episodes rather than a very long one. For full disclosure, I mix and match content from the two recordings to keep a good grouping by topic and to make sure that each episode could stand on its own. In the last episode, we talked about how Nico got into comedy and we spent time on the role of the open mic as a place for comedians to develop their craft. Today, we talk about some of the different tiers or the steps that comedians who want a career in clubs need to climb. You will learn about bringer shows and Nico will share a little bit about his experience barking in Times Square. We will also share some of the young comedians that I discovered while attending Nico's shows in New York. To put you back into the action, last week we had finished our discussion talking about how, when they are starting out, some comedians work the door at clubs as a way to get spots in the shows. Today, we pick up the conversation from a different way that comedians can get time on stage, by starting and producing their own show, which is something that Nico is doing with a friend of his. And by the way, you can follow that specific show on Instagram at Show. And while you're at it, also go and follow Nico on Instagram at Nico Catania Comedy. Now, enjoy the episode. Okay, so if, uh, you know, you start doing the open mics, you are meeting with other comedians, you also did something, I'm going to plug, something that is a little more entrepreneurial than maybe a lot of comics do, which is, I think about six months into being in New York, you and your business partner or comedy partner, Alex, started a series, right, in Brooklyn. Yeah, Alex Taubin, very funny comedian. I'll shout him out. Go check out his clips. Alex Taubin, T-A-U-B-I-N. Alex is probably listening to this right now. Alex, go fuck yourself. (laughs) 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 Go listen to a real episode. Go listen to the... There are so many cool episodes. I'm not... Okay. But yeah, Alex and I, we started a show in Brooklyn. And that was really just a product of... In college, I was producing so much music so many events i just wanted to scratch the producing itch but i think a lot that's a first step for a lot of comics is you start producing your own show in a bar or a restaurant or something like that and you put your friends on it you put comics that you like on it it helps you meet people you make a little bit of money and it gives you stage time in front of a real audience that's different than an open mic you know because an open mic it's all comedians so it's better to have a show with an audience the show is called High Low Comedy, is at the Fiction Bar in Brooklyn, and it's still going on two years in every other Friday. Yeah, we actually just hit our two-year anniversary last week. 
it continues on. And it is not that I am Nicholas's dad, but I I've always seen some very funny comedians there. So you make your way through the open mics, you have good materials, and you then the next step is start to get, as you said, in front of real audiences, right? And there's different level of opportunities there. Obviously, the premier clubs, which at this stage are maybe not necessarily with the, and I'm using the general you, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at this stage, you're, you're still beginning. You're not going to get on stage at one of the- The comedy the, cellar. The comedy cellar, right. Or the New York Comedy Club. So what are some of the opportunities that people normally look for? Well, the best people will take anything. Yep. I mean, any opportunity to be in front of people is an opportunity to improve your craft. And so there's so many opportunities of varying levels of like validity and whatever. But the the truth is, is that everyone who really has the itch to do it just takes, it's like whatever. There's, there's some clubs that do a thing that's called the bringer show which means that you can only get on stage if you bring a certain number of people. And I mean that on one hand, it's not a scam because it's like, if you're performing, you should be trying to bring an audience out, obviously. You know, that's the job. That's what entertainment is, is it's selling tickets. But at the same time, like for a newer comic, that's very, it's like, a, it's a scam on the club's end because you're taking someone who hasn't been on stage a lot and doesn't know that they're being taken advantage of. And they bring out, anywhere from five to like, there's some clubs that do 10 audience members. And each of those people has to buy a $25 ticket and two drinks. So if you think about it, that's like paying at the low end, $250 for a five minute spot at a club show. And people get stuck in those a lot. But again, it's like any opportunity to be in front of people is a good, is a good opportunity. Right. So in an ideal world, maybe you would do that a little bit in the beginning, but you're building your craft in front of this audience where exactly five people, 10 people you've brought, but there's seven, eight, how many other comedians? I mean, I've done a couple bringer shows and everyone there, they'd have no limit to how many people they put on the show because they don't care about the quality of the show and they just want to sell as many tickets as possible. So I've been on bringer shows where there's 12 to 15 people. Which means that you're playing to 50, 60, 70, 100. No, like, yeah, like 150, 200 people. But the show is terrible because no one knows how to do stand up comedy. But you as a comedian are honing your craft. You're, yeah, but there's so many other, especially in New York. Yep. In other cities, open mics have audience members. People go and see comedy, even if it's bad. And it's like, there's no reason to do a bringer show if you can do an open mic for, I know that there's an open mic in Indiana that Alex was telling me about that he used to do, where it was like 300 people, 300 paying audience members to watch an open mic. You didn't have to bring people or whatever. And so there's other opportunities that are less exploitive than bringer shows. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, of course, anytime you get on stage, it's a helpful thing. Okay. And so then, and then another way, what you're doing right now, you're doing what it's called barking. So what is barking? Okay, so barking is, uh, for anyone who's been in New York, you've definitely seen it. Basically, it's a lot on like McDougal Street and uh, in Times Square, you'll see it a lot where there's a, a cold guy on the corner and he's got a handful of tickets and he's going comedy show, comedy show, comedy show. 
and there's different deals that different clubs do. But the basic idea of it is you sell tickets, you make money from the tickets that you sell, and then whether or not you sell tickets, you're guaranteed some stage time. And the crowds tend to be very challenging on these shows because they're drunk and they're, they bought a ticket from a stranger up the street, so they're a little weird. Or they're very fun and easygoing because they just picked, they went for the spontaneous. So you'll get, you'll get kind of weird crowds, you'll get really good crowds. But the thing that's nice about it is that because you're kind of putting this work in for the club that's not comedy related, it's a very easy opportunity to get a lot of stage time in front of real people. And a lot of the funniest comics in New York do a year or two of barking and it really hones your act. But that's also, it's very much a club comedy thing. You know, there's a whole indie scene in Brooklyn where people don't bark at all. And the barking trajectory is like a, that's like for someone who's going to, that's like a, cl a classic Manhattan club comedian. Someone who's try trying to be at late night TV and in the comedy cellar and that kind of a thing. And there are so many other ways to also be kind of a mid-level comedian in New York that don't involve barking. I just want to bring my audience into this because I've heard a lot of the stories from you and some of them are pretty funny. So you are now spending four hours in the afternoon on roughly two days a week, or you've spent a number of months doing this on the corner of Times Square stopping strangers and trying to convince them to come to the shows. What is that like? <laughs> well, it's easy. Everyone wants to buy it. Here's a little, little known fact about Times Square. Actually, every single person in Times Square, they all want to buy comedy tickets. And so when I'm out there in Times Square, I'm beating them away with a stick. I mean, it's like Black Friday every day and I'm Best Buy. And the TV, tickets to see stand-up comedy. Yeah, and that was all uh, a lie, but it's hard. People, especially in Times Square, do not want to talk to anybody. I mean, there's like a naked lady with a guitar walking around, and you're the same as that. When you're trying to sell someone a comedy ticket, you're the same as like, you're the same as Elmo with no underpants, swinging genitals around in front you like you were scary and no one wants to talk to you and it's it's fair because the truth is is that the the thing that you're selling it could be very bad <laughs> <laughs> they're right to suspect that you're trying to scam them because you're not not trying to scam them but like i've noticed i'll go even like two or three blocks outside of times square it's way easier to get people to stop and uh, like because everyone in Times Square is, most people are visiting, they're all tourists. It, like, I don't talk to any New Yorkers. I only talk to young Danish couples who are like, oh, we'd like to see a show. You know, everyone's very friendly. It was the, was the curveball is that like, yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk to you and you're scary. But as soon as you get someone's attention and they're like, sorry, what are you doing? You can have a real conversation and make a real connection. I mean, I've made probably 40 or 50 people I've made friends with just from me like making them laugh as they walk by me and they come back and say, Hey, what, what, what are you doing? You know, I've been tipped like $20, $30 just for making people laugh and they don't buy a ticket, but they, they'll say, Hey, you, that was really, you made my day, you know?
So there are some nice moments, but overall, it feels like it's really hard. So I'm sure some of our listeners are listening to this and thinking, why would somebody do something like that? So why would somebody do something like that? You make a chunk of money from selling tickets, and then you also then get stage time from it. And so it's not a bad deal because I'll make, on a good night, I'll make anywhere from whatever, like $100 to $200 standing there for two hours. And then I get 15 minutes of stage time or 10 minutes of stage time. And that's like the same pay that whatever, like a premier comedy club in New York would pay for a spot. And it's, it's not always that. Sometimes it's a lot less money, but I'm okay with it because it's a lot of stage time and I need it to get better, you know? What has that done for the development of your act? Like the time on the corner, on the street, how has that changed the way that you're on stage? It's definitely given me some moves to fall back on. Like I now have little shticks that I do. I spend all day talking to like German guys or talking to like what if tourists. So now when I'm on stage and they're tourists in the stage, I have little jokes ready that feel like off the cuff riff moments, but are really like things that I've done before. Like, a, I guess, uh, again, yeah, you might consider that lying or fraud, but it's helped me in that way. And it's also helped being in Times Square is a good exercise to try and stay funny no matter what the circumstances are. You know, you'll have like a guy sitting there with like his face like painted all these different colors and he's screaming at you about how you're part of the CIA and he's going to report you, he's going to get you arrested because he's like just a crazy guy just screaming insane things at you and he's maybe wearing a whatever hockey helmet and swinging a broom and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to arrest you and, and whatever. And meanwhile, you have other people walking by. And if you can find a way to make that situation funny, they might stop and buy comedy tickets from you. So it, it definitely hardens and it has hardened my instincts to even when crazy stuff starts happening, immediately trying to, okay, how can I make this funny? How can I make people feel comfortable right now? How can I look like I'm in control of this situation? And that has really translated a lot to being on stage. Are there any funny lines that now you, you, you've used more than once? Yeah. Okay. My favorite one, and I, a friend of mine just did like a little documentary thing and interviewed me for it. And I'd said this line in that. So if, if anyone here, if there happens to be an intersection between listeners, between that documentary and this podcast, I'm sorry for repeating myself. Go listen to a different episode. Go watch the Michael Jordan documentary. But that didn't make any sense. I don't know why I said that. The point is, my favorite thing I've ever said was there was a girl walking by me and she'd get bought in fruit from, there's like, you know, fruit cart ladies in the, in the subway. And she had a, what, a cup full of mango. And I, as she's walking by, I said, mango, how about girls stop and buy some comedy tickets? And it made me laugh so much in the moment. And it made her laugh. And now I say that every single time anyone with fruit walks by me and they don't like it. They don't like it as much. It will never work again, but it, that's my favorite thing I've ever said. <laughs> that's funny. So you're barking, you're doing stage time on this club and then the, the next level. So what does it mean to get passed to a club? Well, every single club has like a roster of comedians that they book from and the word pass just means that you've made it onto that roster. And it comes from when you get an, a lot of times, most clubs will give you an audition before they put you on their roster of people to book. So you do the audition. And if you pass the audition, you're now passed at the club. So it's that. But again, like a lot of comics 
don't climb the club ladder. Like someone like Sarah Squirm, for example, who is a like a just a you know SNL and weird, insane, but super unbelievably funny. She kind of went up through the like the indie scene, the alt scene, and then she got picked to do JFL, New Faces, which is just for laughs in Montreal. And then from that, people saw her. Then she gets put on SNL and then immediately gets past it, like the Comedy Cellar and all the clubs from that. So it's like she went in from the top instead of coming in from the bottom. Where, because a lot of like, there's any range of when you get past at a club. You know, I've seen people get past it at a club and then they're kind of stuck at the door, you know? So there's some clubs where you'll get past and then you'll get booked once a month and it's hard to move up. Whereas if you're kind of more established already, when you get past at the club, you might get past at the club and then within a month you're doing weekend spots and, you know, going up like at that club, like five, six times a week, just depending on whether or not you're funny or whether or not they like you or all these other circumstances. You know, you talked about weekend spots and the different spots. I think one of the things that I've learned through talking to you as you're going through this trip is that there's different spots that have different names within, you know, when you go to an evening. So one of my favorite is the check spot. What's the check spot? The check spot is just like the the spot that happens in a show when the waitresses and waiters are putting down the checks. So people are paying and there's a comic on stage for that. And that's a cha- that's a challenging spot because people are trying to are usually paying attention to the receipt, you know, they're trying to figure out like, oh, like, what do I owe? Do you, oh, you can Venmo me. Well, let's split it. You know, like that kind of a thing. So that's generally a spot that's given to younger comics that are freshly passed at the club to, because they, it's kind of a, not a fun spot to do, but it's better than no spot, you know? Great. I was going to ask you a few names of young comics, but I realized it would have been a really unfair question because you have a lot of friends, maybe you forget one friend, you do another friend. So I'm going to do this a, l- a little differently. I have been exposed to a lot of comics through you and, and you know, to come into the shows in New York, to listen to people, meeting some of your friends. And I'm going to share some of the ones that I really like. And, you know, if I leave anybody out, number one, I have terrible memory just in general. And number two, uh, it's not out of malice. And most importantly, it's not a choice that you have made (laughs) so your friends know that you know it's me so i want to start with any of my friends made it this far into the podcast i will buy you a cookie (laughs) dm me i will buy you a cookie honestly if you're listening to this i will buy you a cookie (laughs) i don't care who you are (laughs) i would love to get a message from just a total stranger just (laughs) someone say hey i heard the podcast well yeah dm me i'll buy you i no i'm not i'm not messing around right now you whoever you are if you made it this far to the podcast, DM me on Instagram at Nico Catanio Comedy and tell me the secret word, which is cookie, please. DM me cookie, please. I don't care who you are. I will, I will buy you a cookie. I'll Venmo you for a cookie. It's free. You should do it. All right. So the first comedian that I want to talk about is Claire. Clara? Clara, yes. Yeah, they're so funny. Clara is amazing. <laughs> So tell me. About- <laughs> oh, oh man, this is great. I can't wait to send this to them. Uh, they're going to love this. <laughs> For my listeners, Clara, last name? Clara Olshansky. Because I've told, I've told them before about how much you like their comedy. Yeah. 
And it's amazing that they're the first person that you bring up because I, I keep saying how much you like them and I will, they're going to love this. So what are a couple of things that we can share about Clara with our audience? Clara is, I don't know what their Instagram is, Clara Olshansky. Yeah, Clara's hilarious. Clara's like does their like very well-written personal stories and observations. Clara's very much more in the indie, indie alt scene. So Clara doesn't do any club spots at all. But Clara is the type of comedian who I think the clubs haven't caught on to them yet. But I think Clara is going to get huge and then we'll probably get past at the clubs in a couple of years just from coming from the top down because they're, they're so funny. And I mean, they already have like a huge following on Instagram as well. So people are aware of how awesome Clara is. Another name, and these are names that are more of been in our conversation the past couple of days because you're home here to Boston. Yep. You have a very good friend who actually is here in Boston this weekend opening for a major act at the Wilbur, and her name is Maddie Wiener. What type of comedian is Maddie Wiener? I don't want to like put people in boxes, but Clara and Maddie are both just like, they're, they're both killers. They are super consistent and they're very funny. And yeah, Maddie is so funny. Maddie's done my show probably like eight times and just is so good every time. And yeah, she's like, she's a really good writer. She's really, really funny. Yeah, she's just, she's so good. All right. Then we have obviously Alex Taubin, which we mentioned before. Love Alex Taubin. Alex, Alex. I don't think he's listening to this. I would love it if he was though. And and Alex is used to be a one-liner, right? Really good with one-liners. Yeah, dude. Alex's whole like trajectory is crazy because he's been he's been doing comedy now for I think six or seven years, which is crazy because that's a long time to be doing comedy. And he spent a lot of that time writing and was very doing kind of like a almost like a Stephen Wright kind of in vain where he was one-liners and they were clever but silly and whatever i don't know i remember meeting him when i first met him he'd be like i'd like pitch him a joke and he'd be like i don't do any wordplay and you always think of one-liners it's like puns and whatever and and so i started listening to his jokes and i realized that he is he's doing you know in, in a 10 minute set he does 45 50 one-liners and none of them are wordplay which is which is crazy you know, that's a really, really hard thing. And the, so that he's such a, the quality of jokes that he writes is so good. But I think he found himself like a one-liner comic. It's a hard kind of act to scale up. And so in the last two years, he just stopped doing it completely and transitioned to writing normal two, three minute stand-up, just regular, normal, whatever. And so it's been really cool to see, wow, what is someone who has four or five years of writing muscle built up look like when they just start doing an entirely new kind of comedy that they're not used to? Then I'm going to through some of your close friends, Ethan. Mm -hmm. Ethan, Ethan Mead, maybe one of the funniest people I've ever met. Yeah, he's awesome. Check him out. Ethan Mead, he's really good at TikTok. He's really good at stand up. He like makes me laugh in person more than anyone. He's awesome. Then Mia Hammond. Mia, yeah. Mia Faith Hammond. Also really great. Explosive, funny, weird. She's so great. 
I haven't seen anybody like her on stage. Yeah, she's she's really special and really just like a killer. I've seen her when I think about the five or six best sets I've ever seen in New York. She's on that list. I remember that there's like six or seven that I just remember. I'm like, wow, that was I haven't seen comedy like that. And there was one set where I saw her do so well. And it was, you know, it's just like there's a feel when someone's having a good set, the whole room just like reverberates with everyone connecting with each other and feeling it. And she's one of those people that she can be magic when she has a, a good set for someone that's that talented and special and cool. She's so kind and so nice. And yeah, she's really magic. She's really cool. There's moments when she's a stage and one of the things that I loved, there's a, there's an edginess yeah. to the stage. There's like, you know, there's some comedians, like you're there, it's funny, they're relaxed, etc. Mia, there's really like an edginess to the stage, to the situation. So almost, I, I don't want to say it, you don't know what's going to happen in the next five seconds, where either you see other people that are, you know, you see, oh, this is what they're building to. And Mia is like very... Yeah, I think it's like if you know Eric Andre or Sarah Squirm kind of does this style of thing, or it's a very current style of comedy, which is it's chaos. It's funny because it's chaos and it's unpredictable. It's pure comedy, you know? You don't really get to know Mia at all. When you see Mia on stage, you don't know who she is. You don't know what she does. You don't know what, you don't know anything about her, but you, you laugh so hard. And so it's kind of, it's like raw, pure, just chaos. And comedy is just chaos. You know, it's just like what is unexpected. And she's like that. But she's so amazing because not only is she doing this really, really different form of comedy where she's improvising a lot and doing a lot of really weird stuff and a lot of it just feels random, but it's also, she's such an amazing writer too, where you wouldn't notice it if you weren't looking for it. But in her act, there are these just like insanely well-written set up, it's punchlines. She's a punchlines comic. She does one-liners and they're mixed in into this like insane, her just clowning around, doing crazy stuff, taking off some guy's hat, going into the audience, climbing the scene or climbing the whatever's behind the stage. I've seen her do like a bajillion different things, but she also just has these like, this like bulletproof punchlines. And that's why she's so special. She's a lot like, uh, there's a comic I'm really into right now called Casey Rocket in Austin. And he does a kind of similar thing to that. I'm not going to do my usual three questions at the end. I'm going to close. I don't get food for the body, food for the soul. <laughs> well, you want to do a hobby? <laughs> <laughs> food for the body, dollar slice pizza. <laughs> <laughs> food for the body, the, there's a $6 bowl of rice and curry on 2nd Ave and 4th Street. And that's the best place I've ever eaten. And also, wait, before you just let me just name some more people. Just, yeah, just to, if you want to see stand up comedy in New York, Adam Christopher is really funny. Man, there's so many people. Oh, hold on. You know, I forgot somebody, the one that I've known the longest, although she wasn't a comedian when I first met her because she was in high school with you, Julia. Julia. Julia's hilarious. Julia Kastner. Julia's just like, yeah, Julia's so funny. And she just won. Yeah, Julia just won the Comedy Mob Festival, which is like, a, I mean, I wonder if there's anyone listening to the Authentic Leadership for Everyday People podcast who also knows the Comedy Mob Festival. I don't know what that Venn diagram is, but yeah, it's like a pretty big deal. She is, she's super funny. Yeah, she's amazing. You should go check her out. World Famous Julia on Instagram. And then, I mean, there's just so many people that are really great. 
in New York. So I don't know. It's hard to list people. The level of talent is so high. That's why I was listing them because this way you get a pass. Yeah. If you're not listing everybody, because I'm just, I'm, I'm not allowing yeah, you to Yeah, but list. let's take away, if you weren't mentioned on this podcast, I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you and I think you're bad at comedy. <laughs> if you haven't been mentioned so far, I actually, I don't like you. So you don't like Eddie Murphy? Yeah, and he is listening. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he is listening. <laughs> Did you see what he tweeted about the, uh, he loved your last episode. <laughs> so we've talked about food for the body. Any other more secret delish? Seventh Street Burger is really good. Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, on, on McDougal Street, Berlin Donor is really, really good. They give you a huge, it's like $5 for like a huge falafel sandwich. And it's a way better sandwich than Mamoon's. Mamoon's is like the famous one on, that's like a block away. And everyone goes there and no one goes to Berlin Donor. Berlin Donor is so amazing. Espy, Espy Riva Danera, who's an amazing comic who I'm really good friends with, put me onto it. And... Again, if I haven't said your name so far, you're not a good comedian and I don't like you. But SB Rivadonera, I love. She's so funny. And she also just hooked me up with this great place called Berlin Donor. You should definitely go look. Actually, SB is very funny. I saw her. I think the first ever show that I came down to New York for at uh, the first High at Low show, SB was on it. So no, Food for the Soul. What's your Food for the Soul? There are these YouTube videos online. And I can't remember what, I think they're called like gear something. It's these five guys who work in like a car junkyard scrapyard thing. They're like, my name is Junkman and I'm going to tell you what, you know, there it's like the same guy four times and they're called, they're called Junkman. There's Cameraman. There's, oh, I can't even remember what their names are, but there's five of them. Axle Drop. Axle Drop is the name, or Gear Drop. Shift Drop. I think it's Axle Drop uh, is the name of the channel. And they try and like, we took like a Toyota Camry and tried to get it to start using milk as gasoline. <laughs> and, and it's cool because you're trying to see them like do some fucking just crazy dumb car shit. But what I really like about it is if you watch it in order, they get into like fights and stuff. And there's big story arcs where for a while, Stuntman, one of them is named Stuntman. Stuntman and Junkman didn't get along. So they got into <laughs> a fight but they went and like talked it out. It was, it's like watching a reality TV show where it's like, well, you know, ever since Stuntman and Drunkman, they haven't been getting along. And so they're going to go and have an aside and talk it out, you know, which is just not what you expect. So I watch it for the story. Axel, I think it's called, let me just, I don't have my phone. I think it's called Axel Drop. Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll find the name and find the link and put it on the episode website. Actually, since we're speaking of food for the body and food for the soul, I want to talk about something else really cool that you're doing, which is called Full Belly. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Full Belly is, it's in New York. It's basically, it's a pop-up restaurant and comedy club. And the idea is, I have a, a friend of mine was on Top Chef a couple times. So basically she comes in, she designs a menu food and you buy a ticket to the thing and it comes with both a meal from her and then a comedy show that I produce. And so you get with the, you buy one ticket and it comes with dinner and a show and then the profits from the show after I've paid all the comedians then go to a nonprofit in New York that works with food insecurity. And so yeah, it's a pretty cool thing and whatever we we'll, we change the chef out for every show and my friend has been like referring me to different people and so I, the food's always just really good and it's really different every time. And yeah, it's but the food is so yummy and then it's also like comedy. So it's cool. Yeah. Full Belly NYC on Instagram and then I my other projects are The Deception Stone that is like a I sell rocks. 
<laughs> but no, but it's funny, but it's also not, it's like a collector's item basically is the, kind of like an NFT where basically a lot of young comedians were working on this project and there's a limited number of deception stones that we made. So it's a rock, but it's packaged really nicely. Like a lot of, it's like a custom label. It's in a box. There's a little stuff in there that it comes with a little bag and it comes with a, like instructions on how to use it. And all of those, like those seven items, each rock is individually stamped with a unique six digit number. So when you buy a deception stone, even though it's just a rock, it really is like a pretty special collector. It's stamped with a unique, which I, I don't know if you understand. It's a it's stamped with a six-digit individual collector's item number. And so the idea is that all the people that are involved in the Deception Stone are really, really funny. And I'm sure one of them will find success at some point. And so in 10, 15 years, there's not a lot of them made and it will be worth a lot of money in a lot of years. And so... <laughs> You should invest now, buy yourself a deception stone. It's only $35. And honestly, for the amount of work that it's like real work goes into making it a product that is, they're vacuum sealed. It's sealed with, what's it called? When you plastic sealed, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it's called, but it's a real product, even though it's just a, it, okay, it is a rock. But <laughs> so there's that. And then I'm also, I'll just say, if you want to check out the television show, it's really, really good. It's called Horns and Hacks on YouTube. And I'm not, I don't write it, but uh, I voice a unicorn. And I think that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably would like this because it's all about business and business advice. And it's good business advice. Well, I will just say, we don't know whether or not it's good business advice. No, we know it's good. <laughs> but it's not your business advice. You're just the voice. Somebody it's else. Not, it's not my business advice. You're just, you're just the voice. Somebody I'm just, else. I'm is, just the voice. Someone else wrote it. You're just a but paid I, actor. But yeah. When I, I don't know, when I read the script, I think this is, this is really good. No, no. I'm taking a legal disclaimer here. I don't want anybody to act on any on that business advice and say they got the advice here. So just as a legal disclaimer. For, I, don't for this you, show. I don't think you need that. It's good. It's good business advice. If you're a unicorn in Dubai. And you watch that show and you follow the steps that it tells you. I mean, it, it's, it's going to change your life. On that note. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. It's not, there's nothing funny about horns and hacks. There's nothing funny about a vlogging unicorn giving business advice. Uh, you should be proud of me for this. This is the best thing I've done. For example, one of his tips is that you should be yourself. That's a good tip. <laughs> if that's not authentic leadership for everyday people, I don't know what is. Maybe I should sue them for copyright infringement. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you for agreeing to do this with, with me. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I'm so I'm so flattered that you thought I would be a, a good option for this. I'm sorry if you came to this looking for business advice and instead it was me claiming to have born on a marsh. I don't know what authentic leadership knowledge I've imparted. But thank you for thank you for having me. This was really fun. All right. <laughs> thank you. Bye. I love you. Bye, I love Dad. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell all your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows ratings and reviews like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Five stars. 
make sure that you go back and check some of the episodes that you've missed. There's a lot of content now. We're over 100 episodes, so there's some great stuff. And stay tuned, because after the credit, I will play a song by Honest Mechanic, the indie pop folk duo featuring Susan Catania, whom you know is one of Boston's best Americana singer-songwriters, and Paul Hansen from The Grown Up Noise. For more information on this episode and all the links on where you can find Nico, go to the website al4ep.com, spelled with the number 4. You can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Make sure you follow us on any social platform where you spend time. On Twitter and Instagram, the handle is at al4edp with the letter D. And on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by our guest, Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And now, here is Outsider by Honest Mechanic. Enjoy. I need to know So many reasons why they need to go I see their faces It's a club I can't get into I take it home and try to crack the code Everybody thinks of themselves Everybody thinks of as an outsider Wake up early trudging in the snow Uphill both ways, man, you don't even know Some people go out dancing Some people have to go to work As an outsider Everybody thinks of themselves As an outsider But now you're old With pretty faces Trapped in glowing phones Check me out, I'm the one you need to know My art's important, just nobody knows To smoke the weed Everybody thinks of themselves Everybody thinks of themselves As an outsider Everybody thinks of themselves As an outsider